Okay. You have your Bibles? So good to be back. It's taken me forever to get back on my feet. I must be getting old. I said to the guys this week, you know, you won't believe I go to the gym. And it still takes me this length of time to get, get back off my feet. Jet lag can be pretty uh, tough. I don't normally suffer from it, but this time it's kind of sideswiped me. But the stallion refuses to be subdued. Amen. You know, it doesn't matter how many times you hear the word of God spoken. That if you are a pursuer of the word, the word will always pursue you. And you'll all, it will always come to you in a different way than when you first heard it. How many times have we heard scriptures being spoken and then you read it and all of a sudden it's like God flips it and shows you there's, wow, I've never seen that scripture like that. Or is it only me? See, this word, if this word is living and active, it must keep speaking. True? It didn't only speak once. It must keep speaking to you and I. How many of you believe that? Oh, there's no point in having a relationship with a God who just spoke. I need a relationship with a God who speaks. You don't all sound convinced. You know, if I only ever spoke to Carol once... Guess what? Our relationship's not going far. I need a relationship with a lady who constantly speaks. Sometimes, sometimes, I wish she'd have only spoke once. <laughs> I'm sure she would say the same about me. But there's no doubt about it. I need a relationship with a God who constantly speaks. And Scripture says this in 2 Peter chapter 1. If you'd like to turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I want to encourage your heart this morning with these words. And you've read this scripture, and no doubt you'll keep reading it again in the days ahead. And it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge. Of the one or him who called us by his glory and goodness. Just think of that for a minute. You've been given everything. I don't always feel equipped. Do you? But right now, the Bible has spoken to me and it's speaking to you. And it says, you've been given everything. For life and for godliness. Through these he has given us. He's very great. And precious promises. Wow. Promises are so important in our Christian life. I stand on the promises of God. I feed on the promises of God. I live on the promises of God. Everybody needs promises. Yes? Everybody needs a promise. You know, you only have to see little children and how they respond when mom and dad gives them a promise. To them, it's a word that can never be broken. Do you know that? It's a word that can never be broken, but you promised. And then you've got to say to them, ah, yeah, but but there's no buts in a child's world because you promised. And you can't break your promise, mum or dad. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. But when you get older, you realise, no, no, no. Don't try and fast forward me. Let's take the word you said. You promised. And that's the kind of relationship that God wants us to have with him. 
that we can stand on his promises and take him to the bank. But Lord, you promised. Now, a promise works when two are walking together. Yeah? It doesn't work because you do go, the, go north and he stands. He never goes south. He just stays where he is. But he says here, <clears throat> excuse me, through these he has given us his great, or his very great and precious promises that so through them you may participate in the divine nature. Wow. And escape the corruption of the world caused by its evil desires. He's trying to get us out of trouble. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. It's loaded, this scripture. It's just loaded. From self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to kindness, brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, do you want me to push this down a bit, Ralph? Just seems a bit okay, that'll do. Brotherly kindness, a brotherly kindness. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, here's the line they're going to keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That scripture is loaded. He starts by saying, His divine power. Has given you everything. So it's a divine power from on high. That has been given to you and to me. So it's not just anyone. It's not just anything. It's, it's his divine power. He's given it to you. And he's given it to us for what purpose? For life. And for godliness. Your life must have a godliness. See you heard a lot of people talk about the Christian life. But we need a Christian life with godliness. And when we have this life with godliness, our knowledge of him who called us by his own goodness increases. Doesn't it? Many of you will know that Nicodemus had knowledge. He was one of Israel's teacher. But when Jesus said to him, you must be born again, that really began to internally disturb him. Because he's asking the question, I'm a grown man. My mother probably, we don't know, this is speculation. She's probably, mother's probably dead. But if she is not alive, I cannot go back into her womb a second time. It's impossible. I've grown. She could not fit me and I could not fit back in my mother's womb. And you can imagine Jesus thinking, son, you've got it all wrong. What are you thinking? Nicodemus thinking, no mind what I'm thinking. It's what you're saying. It's what's causing me to think the way I am. And there was two different frequencies being transmitted. Jesus is talking about something completely different. And all Nicodemus can do is interpret it from the natural. You must be born again. And Nicodemus, it puzzles Nicodemus so much that we read later on that he comes back to Jesus in the night. Because he didn't want to be seen 
as Israel's teacher, having, he was going to school. Just like I went to Malaysia for school, he went to Jesus and he had his one-on-one teaching session with Jesus. You better help me understand this because I can't understand what you've just said. And it's freaking me out. It's really on me. It's in me. And I need the answer to it. Nicodemus, you shouldn't be surprised. You're Israel's teacher. Whoops. You should not be surprised. And there are some things that we can never understand even know it's made available. Think about that. We can, there are some things we can only understand when we enter in. Even though they're made available, some things we can never understand because we're too far away from them. Yeah? So, if you've got a pen and paper, you might want to write this down. In order for you to receive everything for life and godliness, you need a day called beginning. If you are about to receive everything for life and godliness, you need a day called beginning. Nicodemus could not receive all that Jesus was talking about because he had not received his day called beginning. Now, I don't know how old Nicodemus was. It's not about age, it's about spiritual birth. It's about spiritual birth. So you may be 40, you may be 50, you may be 70. It does not matter. You need a day called beginning when you enter into the new birth. Then your life really begins. Hello? It's possible to live for 80 years of age and never live a day. It's possible to live 80 years of age with Christ and live a lifetime, a thousand lifetimes. How many of you know that? So, go to Psalm 139, verse 14. You know, your life can often start before you realize it. It can. Your life can often start before you realize it. Psalm 139, verse 14 says this. Read this. It says, praise you. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Let's just pause. It's just giving God, it's just telling God what God already knows. So much of your prayer is telling God what he already knows. But then there's a part where you begin to pray out a revelation. Now because you see and you've entered in, you can now pray a different prayer because you now see it. And this is what he says. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. He's unformed, but his life's begun. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So here he is, he's having a revelation that his life started before he was born. That's powerful. That's why every baby that, wants to, that people want to abort, we've got to help people see that there's a plan and purpose for this baby. Irrespective of the circumstances on the earth, there is a plan. God saw that child in its unformed state. And yet every day ordained for it was written in a book. 
before one ever came to be, God is announcing it to us that there was a beginning before you ever entered into the day called beginning. Your life started with Christ way, way before your mother and father conceived. Can you see that? My life didn't start on the 13th of May, 1961. I know I don't look that old. Comfort myself by the fact there's a lot older in this room than me. Or older, not a lot older. But my life started when my frame was knitted in the secret place. There was a secret place. And if you get the MPOG manual, we talk about the secret place. The secret places of God. Where God meets people in the secret places. And that's just one of them. God saw us way before. So I'm well, well happy that God saw me before mum and dad ever got together. And God engineered mum and dad to get together. God engineered it. God engineered my mother and father. So what you thought you just bumped into each other, God engineered it. So that offspring could emerge. So that God's plan could be fulfilled. Your life's already started. God's just engineering it so it can come into be. But it was already written in God's book. God's got a book. You're more than a number in God's little red book. Yes? You're much more than that. So I thank God that he's got plans for me. And he's wrote them in a book. Now it's my job to find out his plan. And to execute his plan in my life. So, the things we see out of this scripture... Of Psalm 139, that my frame was hidden, but not from God. Though it's hidden from my sight, from everybody else's sight, it's not hidden from God. But his eyes saw my unformed body. Even though it's hidden, his eyes saw my unformed body. The eye of God was on me. Just like it's on you. The eye of God was on you before you were born. Even though it was an unformed body, his eyes were on you. The next thing we see out of that scripture is, there's a secret place hidden from everyone, but not from God. So when you think you're lost, you're not. Sometimes you're just hidden. Lost does not always mean lost. Lost can always mean hidden. God's hiding you from everything else. Yes? The third thing we see out of that, before any of my days came to be, they were written in his book. So, hopefully, by the time I finish my life, God is able to announce over me, well done, you're good, faithful servant. Your faithful servant isn't because you became a Christian. The faithful servant is because you fulfilled everything that was written in his book. You've got to be faithful. To be faithful, you've got to do something to be considered faithful. So, everything that's written in his book... Through me walking with the Holy Spirit, he'll reveal to me what's been revealed in his book. This is his book, the Bible. Amen? See, when you look at the back pages of your Bible, there's nothing there. But all the names of the saints are secretly scribed in God's book. That's why you're reading your Bible, names are blotted out and names can be grafted in. Yes? God's got an indelible pen. He knows who's in his book. Yes? Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. You've read this scripture many times. Good. So it won't be familiar to you. Before I form you in the womb, 
I knew you before you were born. I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So just like the psalmist, David discovers that there was a secret place. Jeremiah found out that God had thought about him and thought about his role in life well before he ever came into this earth. Isn't that good? Is it possible, of course it's possible, but is it possible for you that God saw you in your unformed state and God's got a plan for you? And his plan isn't just to get married and his plan isn't just to come to church. They are things needed in our life. We need a church, we need a family, we need a home. That's just part of God supplying everything you need for life and godliness. But there's a work to be done. And coming to church is not the work. It's not the work. In this church, we realize that there's a work to be done. Or we are realizing this. God's about to turn our church inside out. And some of you are upside down. So in John chapter 1, verse 1, you, again, some of these scriptures, I don't want to use the word familiar because I don't like to dumb it down, but they're known to us. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word. So the word had a beginning. Now it's not that the day, there was a day when Jesus Christ was, was, was created. There was, it was always there. But it was a beginning in our life when we understood, when this word came to us. There was a beginning for us. And it says this, in the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So twice we hear the word beginning. There's a day of beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. Thank God there's life in Him. Thank God there's life. And that life was the light of men. So if you have the light of God inside of you, you have life. Light equals life. Wherever life, a light is allowed to be shone, there's life. Light brings everything into the open. Darkness conceals sin and hidden thoughts and motives and things like that. God only ever works in light. Yes? And I was thinking in my life only the other day, my day of beginning, where I was conscious of my day of beginning. And I was upstairs in my mother-in-law's bedroom. You think, what's he doing in his mother-in-law's bedroom? Well, David led me to the Lord. And we were in his house and he said, come upstairs. And we went, we just knelt down. It was the first bedroom that you come up to as you come in David's house. And I began to kneel down. And I began to just, it just made sense to give my life to Christ. I've been going to church for seven years. Seven years of doing that church thing. Singing hymns that made no sense. Hymns that had no melody to them. Had more words than melody. But I kept on going and kept on going until one day I met the God who owned the church. And I remember how the moment I opened my heart, light began to shine into me, into me. And it so filled me that I felt myself being literally, it was a powerful experience I had. And I hadn't smoked anything or ate anything. This was a somber moment when I was giving my life to Jesus. And it just so happened, it, it seemed seconds. 
It wasn't a drawn-out affair. It was just a heart thing that said, I want to know you. If you're out there, come, come into my heart. Very few words, but said with sincerity, said with meaning, said with power, said with everything. I was giving myself, if you're out there, I want to know you now. And within seconds, this light hits my spirit. I didn't know it was called my spirit then. It was just hit me. And I just began to feel washed and cleansed and couldn't understand it. And I felt like I'd just levitate. I just felt a brand new person. And now not everybody's testimony is like that, but that was mine. So I had a fantastic birth. So my day called beginning was very noticeable and recordable. Yeah? And now some people say, well, I was born in the church and I've always seemed to be a Christian. But there'll be other times when you'll have a powerful encounter with God, which will back up your heart. There should be encounters in your life. There has to be encounters in your life. You can't just... You can't just follow God and never experience him. Yes? Now, it doesn't have to be like my encounter, but you need some encounter, something that convinces you that, hey, (laughs) God is God. I'm just a mortal man. There needs to be encounters in your life. And thankfully, God has allowed me to have many, many experiences that's proved that was more than just a one-off. And I remember how my life began to begin to change. But you know, that was just called introduction. That was just called introduction. I hadn't done anything. All I had done is ask Jesus to come into my life. Grace, mercy, forgiveness was all supplied for me. The door was open. All I had to do was ask. So I did nothing other than ask. Those who asked, receive. So that scripture, he has given us everything for life and godliness began before I had ever experienced it. True? That scripture was true. The date was spoken by the Holy Spirit and written by man. But my beginning, because it was, because before one, you know, you saw my unformed body, God had already ordained that I would be in this earth. So my beginning started long ago. But my conscious beginning started the day when I gave my life to Christ. Not May the 13th. 1961, 1985, I think it was. I've got it wrote down somewhere the day I gave my life. But that's memorable. That's when I began to partake of the divine nature. The divine nature came into my life on that day. That day was called the beginning. The rest was history after that because he's forgiven me all What's gone before, he's forgiven me. He's given me a clean slate. And now it's called the day of beginning. Go on, son. I've cleared all the past. All the debt's gone. It's all been paid for. You've now got a clear life, clear run at this thing. Go all the way. It's called beginning. Amen? Hopefully you've got one of those. If you haven't, we'll go after it after. The needs, everyone must have a day called beginning. In what seems like seconds, I cross from death to life. Wow. How cool is that? In what seems second, what was untouchable became tangible. I touched heaven, and heaven touched me. It laid hold of me. Now I'm laying hold of heaven in my life. So John 5.26 says this, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. Christ has life, and that life that Christ had, he gave it to me. 
and he's given it to many of you. We've got, a, we've got a day called beginning, folks. There's a day called beginning. And what does the Bible tell us about the small, the days of beginning? It tells us in Zechariah 4.10, don't despise the day of small things or the small beginnings. Don't despise them. See, what you were the day of your beginning and what God is doing with your life now are completely different. When I think of the man I was, the character, the selfishness, the, the arrogance that was in me, even though I was saved, forgiven, washed, cleansed, all that stuff, when I think of the man that stood there, I'm thinking, God, why didn't you kill me? Why didn't you just wipe the program clean? But God didn't do that. He said, no, you're going to find out how I change your attitude and your character. You're going to have to learn to let go. You're going to have to learn to submit. You're going to have to learn to surrender. That's called discipleship, Tony. And you and I are going to have a ball. I'm going to knock the stuffing out of you, Tony. And I'm going to put the stuff in you. I'm going to knock some stuff out and put some stuff in. Because you've got everything for life and godliness. Why? Because I want you to partake of my divine nature. That's the key thing. We are partakers of his divine nature. I'm not divine, but I have his nature. And because it's a spiritual dimension... I'm going to live, I'm, this body's just going to collapse, and I'm, because I'm a spirit being, I'm just going to walk right into eternity. In fact, I'm already in eternity now, because I'm living from the spirit dimension, not from the flesh. Some of you might find that a little bit hard. It's called walking in the spirit. It's just called walking in the spirit. That's all it is. How many of you know that the day of beginning comes with a narrow path? It doesn't come with a broad path. You cannot have a day of beginning and carry on living the old life. But how many of you know we sure have a go? Come on, let's be honest. We sure have a go. We don't want to change. We want to keep our own nature. We want to have Jesus in our heart, carry him around like a little trophy. And I know Jesus loves me and I love Jesus and that's it. But never change. Sorry, can't work. Read your Bible again. The path. There's a broad path that leads to what? And there's a narrow path that leads to? And those who stay on the narrow path find life. But those who step off the path find destruction, torment, trouble. Or am I the only one? Now, being a young man, as I am, and being when I was even younger than I am now, the... The character of me is, you say, stay on this line. What do you think I want to do? Right. That's called my old nature. So, you've all done this. You see the sign that says, don't touch wet paint. So, what are you going to do? Of course, you, why? Just to see if it's wet. Just to see if the sign was false or it's true. It's called Stupid. You know, and we prove ourselves time and time again that we can be really gifted and stupid. We do things that we shouldn't be doing. Why? Because I just wanted to find out. Because we're a people of experience. Now, here, let's go back to the lesson of the children again. Because it's always, because we are children, just at a different age. Bible called, Paul writes letter to my dear children. So we're always children in one sense. that We're just mature children now. And this is what happens with children is, Elijah and Brenda, because they're sat in front of me, I'll use them as an illustration. They say to Tyunga, Tyunga, 
don't do this. Because it's going to be bad for you. If you do this, these are the consequences. Tayunga goes, yes, dad. Yes, mom. <laughs> Sack that. I'm going to have my own experience. Why? Because I think I'm entitled to it. True? And now they're trying to teach him some things so that he doesn't have the experience. But some people will only ever, ever learn and listen when they've had their own experience. Now, the man with the experience is never at the mercy with the man with the argument. So if dad's had that bad experience, Tayonga might think to himself, well, dad, you did it. I need the same experience. But dad says, no, because it's a bad experience. But that was how you did it, dad. That's how you dealt with it. Dad, we're smarter. Our generation is smarter. I'm at university. We're smart. Dad says, it's called a law of life. You mess with it, it will bite you. So we try to save our kids from some experiences, do we not? But you know, if you've got a son like mine called Benjamin, Ben's always going to walk on the side. He's got to have his own experience. And I look at him and I said, are you stupid? Why? Why do you think I told you that? And then that human reasoning comes into it. And that's the same in, that's the same in your Christian life. God tells you things so that you will not have a negative experience. But you say, God, I've got to try it. I've got to try it. It's like the man who sits in church and says, you know what? I was raised in church and I never went out drinking. I never went out clubbing. I never went sleeping around. I think I'm going to get some experience. So I can appreciate salvation. You might think that's stupid, but that's the truth. A lot of people think like that. I don't know what I've been saved from, so I need to go and taste it. It's called the prodigal son. But what happens when the prodigal son doesn't return? Because many don't return. Many don't return. Some do, some don't. There are experiences that God wants to keep us from because he knows they're bad. And here's a revelation for you this morning. It's very simple. It's like this. God good, devil bad. So when God says something good, he means it, it's good. If he says, don't do this because this will happen, because devil's there waiting for his opportunity. Yeah? It's not rocket science. So God gives us a day called beginning so you can participate in his divine nature. So the first one was everyone needs a day called beginning. Now God gives you a day called beginning so you can participate in his divine nature nature so you can experience what God wants you to experience there are things in the divine nature that God is just waiting to be experienced do you know that you don't seem sure about that there are things from as we partake of this divine nature there are experiences for us that God's got beautiful experiences touching heaven touching his throne room heaven touching us Heaven overshadowing us. We've seen, seen angels walking in the spirit, laying hands on the sick, seeing nations turned around, seeing people's lives changed around. These are all experiences that we could never have had we not touched and partaken the divine nature. You can never have these things unless you keep touching and keep partaking of his divine nature. You've got a nature, I've got a nature. And some of our natures is not good, let's be honest. 
But if we keep, t- camp, uh, sorry, if we keep partaking of his divine nature, 